Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Welcome to C3 Noosa. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Phenomenal as always. Every Sunday, just keeps getting better and better. What is going on? Phenomenal. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so this morning I want to talk a little about better together, up there on the screen, better together because who knows that there is power in unity and there is a blessing that rests on the many, amen? And so I thought I'd change things up a little bit this morning and show you a, a cute little YouTube clip I found the other day online just to loosen things up a bit and, and we can have a bit of a laugh. So if we can, if we can play that, Benny, that would be phenomenal. There you go, just something to lighten the mood, I thought it was quite funny. So let me just say this, you know, God is a relational God, amen? He's, he's what we call a true arm being, he's always existed in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, and so we find that it's within the context of relationship and in the context of this connection or togetherness that God, God interacts. And, and I want to encourage you this morning as we talk about better together that you know, connection with others really is a foundational platform in the body of Christ in which you and I will experience God, experience the living God. But I want to add a clause right at the beginning of the message and say to you this, that yes, there are definitely times that you and I are called to seek God out in times of solace, you know, to seek Him out in prayer, to meditate on His Word, to sit down and wait for Him to speak into our hearts because we, we need to understand that building a relationship with Christ has to be the highest priority in our Christian walk, amen. The Bible says that we are called firstly to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul. But I believe that if we just stop there, we fall short of experiencing the Christian life really in all its fullness. We only will ever see half the picture because what happens is out of that genuine connection with Christ, out of that relationship that we have with him, there comes a mandate that's placed on you and I, and, and that mandate is this. It's Matthew 28, 18, and it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that is the Great Commission. And that is Christ saying to his trusted 12, guys, this new life that has been given to you, this new hope that you now have in me, your risen savior, I want you to go and share this good news with others so that they too may believe, hear it, and desire to follow me. And so there's a mandate that's been placed on the scripture, and what God's really saying to his disciples is this, guys, I did not die on a cross, descend into hell, wrench the keys of life and death out of the cold hands of the devil, rise again, all for your sake, so that you can hold on to this gift that I've given you and one day die happy knowing that you have been saved. But this gift of eternal life is meant to be for others, is meant to be for everyone, that you would go out and share it with others, that if they would hear it and believe in their hearts, they would be saved and follow me, amen? So 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How? 
by the confession of our faith and the witness of our lives according to the word of God. That ultimately, in a nutshell, is the mandate of the body of Christ, amen? Because in connection, it's where people find encounter. In relationship, it's where people can receive an impartation. It's where encouragement is given. It's where we can share wisdom with others, yeah? You see, this thing called doing life together it's not a new novelty that came about some time later in, in Christian life or in Christianity. It, it's something that Jesus modeled himself right from the very beginning of his ministry. The Bible says to us that after he was uh, tempted by the devil, we know for 40 days out in the desert, he, it's, the Bible says he immediately came out of the desert and he returned to Galilee and the first thing he began doing was drawing 12 to himself, 12 men, uneducated, probably insignificant, um, not really all that special or extraordinary in the eyes of others, but he drew 12 to himself. And those 12 he spent three years pouring his life into, building up, teaching, encouraging, correcting, equipping, all within the context of relationship. And the whole idea was that eventually those 12 would be sent out under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit to take that good news to others, to share that good news with others. That there is the very precursor of our church. That there is the very precursor of the body of Christ. And so Matthew 9.35 says, Then Jesus went out about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus right from the beginning has an agenda, and that's the harvest. It says that he came to save that which was lost. When he looked upon the multitudes as he journeyed in his life, the Bible says that he had compassion on them. He, he loved them. And I want to put a challenge out to you this morning based on that scripture is that when you look upon and connect with people in your world, in your life, in your circle of influence, in your homes, do you have compassion? Do you see a harvest or do you see a hindrance? When you walk alongside people that maybe are a little bit lost in life, like sheep, having no shepherd, they don't have all the answers, they don't seem to have direction, do you purpose to come alongside them and look for opportunities to offer Jesus or do you by default just slip them into the, the too hard basket? You see, because as uh, Pastor Melissa was saying earlier, there's a very real pandemic that's alive and well in society today, and that is this thing called individualism. It's this revolution of self, all that is me, and this revolution has been made so much easier by the fact that there has been this uh, exponential growth um, in development and technology of social media. Social media makes it so easy and accessible for us to elevate and promote and celebrate all that is self, all that is me, my wants, my needs, my successes, that I'm going to take life by the horns and do everything that I deserve to get out of life, everything that life owes me. And I say that with the, with um, the, uh, don't discredit me, I believe that we all need to be able to celebrate healthy self-esteem in our generations. We need to do that. A couple of Sundays ago, I spoke about the fact that you and I are co-heirs with Christ in a godly inheritance. And because we're co-heirs with Christ, it means that we should live as heirs and we should live differently. But what I'm trying to bring to light this morning is a very subtle message 
that has been spoken and whispered into the ears of our younger generation that is turning them from heirs in Christ into what we call narcissists. That is, people that love self more than anything else. Because I'm telling you this morning, that is the fight that the enemy is bringing to the body of Christ. That is the fight that the enemy is bringing to culture. And I found this really interesting article from Professor Jean Twang, from, who's a psychologist from San Diego State University. And she points out that narcissism, the love of self above everything else, is distinct from the concept of self-esteem. She makes a statement. She says, somebody high in self-esteem values individual achievement, but they also value their relationships and caring for others. She says, narcissists are missing that piece about valuing, caring, and their relationships. So they tend to lack empathy. They have poor relationship skills. So that's one of the biggest differences. Those communal and caring traits tend to be high in most people with self-esteem, but not amongst those who are high in narcissism. And I thought that was really interesting. And so what we have are men and women we have husbands and wives, we have fathers and mothers, young and old, that are choosing to turn away from relationships and they're forsaking their connections and what's happening in our society is to be becoming more and more isolated but what they don't realize is that an isolated life begins to, to ring out the same sentiments that the devil had thousands of years ago before he fell from grace. And Isaiah 14, 13, it's speaking about the devil and it says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You know, the Christ-centered life is by no means a self-centered life. If we as a church really are purposing to model Jesus to those that live outside of these walls, then we need to purpose to model a life that seeks to be inclusive rather than exclusive, yeah? We need to seek to model a life that once again values one another, that we value connection, that we value relationship, amen? Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so I want to just quickly share around, uh, I love these guys, I talk about them a lot, I know, but Moses and Joshua are really two great examples this time, when we're talking about better together, who witnessed firsthand the blessing and power that rests on the community, that rests on the many. So I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you, but I want you just to stay with me, because I'm going to make a point at the end. Exodus 78 says this, Now Amalek came out and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat down on it and rested. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek, and his people was the edge of the sword. Sometimes you and I will face battles in our life that we will not win unless we face them together in the context of relationship. Amen? 
sometimes you and I will find that the very situations and circumstances that shape the battles we've got to face will not be won if it's just me, if it's just you. You see, because often the battles you face need to be faced so that you can lay hold of the promises of God in your life and move forward and defeat the enemy. But what that means then is that the people that you will journey with in the body of Christ become very significant and very important for you ultimately overcoming your battles. Amen? You see, it's not always going to be enough, the me, myself, and I philosophy. Yeah? Because here is Moses. He's anointed of God. He's called of God. He's been equipped by God, as we've spoken before, to take his people out of Israel, and, uh, out of Egypt, sorry, and into the promised land. But yet here he finds himself on a hill. There's a battle going on before him. When he keeps his hands lifted in the air, it's all good. Happy days. It's inevitable that Israel's going to win this, this battle. Victory's on the way for the children of God. But the minute he starts feeling tired and weary, probably a little bit despondent, and his hands start to fall by his sides, it says that the tide turns, and all of a sudden Am Amalek begins to overcome um, Israel. Now you would think this, if Moses could stand in the desert before thousands of people, before the Red Sea, lift his hands, see the power of God fall and literally separate the Red Sea, that when it comes to this point in history, he's yet again standing before his people on a hill, he lifts those anointed hands before his people that the power of God would fall and it would be a no-brainer. God would just come and wipe out Amalek. But it doesn't happen. We find something else unfolding in scriptures. This time, Moses couldn't keep his hands raised. This time, Moses started to feel a little bit tired, a little bit weary. All of a sudden, those hands of his were becoming heavy. And as much as he didn't want to, they started to fall by his side. And all of a sudden, he began to realize, you know what, this battle's not going to be so, so easy to win. And I believe that this wasn't just an unfortunate predicament for Moses to find himself in, but I believe, it, I believe it was an opportunity for God to remind Moses of the power in the many that brings victory. Amen? It doesn't matter about your credentials. It doesn't matter about your past successes or how even close you feel to God. Because I can tell you no matter how gifted your hands are, there will come seasons in your life where they will feel heavy doesn't matter how well you journey with God, there will come times where you will look at the battles you're facing or you have to face and you'll begin to feel tired. And so then the only hope of victory for you and I in those moments will be in the hands of others coming alongside you and bearing up under yours, amen? You see, because in amidst community, in amidst the body of Christ, you will find that you will have a place where you can come and sit and rest. When people come alongside you, like Aaron and her, they can spur you on. They can encourage you. They support the work of your hands. You know, they, they will speak a word of encouragement when you need it. They will bring wisdom into your world when you're feeling lost or you're feeling a little bit confused, amen? In the company of many, you will find there is strength to keep hands lifted in faith and lifted in worship. And when you get yourself connected in the many, you will find often that will turn the tide on the battles that you're facing, amen? So Joshua, well, let me say this first about Moses. He was an amazing leader. For all that he was as a leader, he was the only one that God counted worthy to come up to the top of Sinai and minister with him almost face to face in a cloud of glory. For all the miracles that God did through this man's life that we still speak about today, he was still a man that in a moment 
found himself on a hill, unable to keep his own hands raised, who needed the help and support of two men on either side of him in order for a battle that was key for Israel to be won. Amen? And if Moses needed that, how much more do you and I in the journey we face? And so Joshua was another one who experienced the miraculous of God in the many. In Joshua 6.1, it says this, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will shout, with a great shout, then the walls of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. And so there are not just battles that you and I will face in pursuing the promises of God, but there are walls that need to come down in your life and mine. There are walls that will keep up what's not good for your life bound up in your life. But God desires that walls would come down in order that strongholds would be exposed so that God can deal with them, that we can have victory over them, and that we can move on. And so God says to Joshua, Joshua, I'm giving you the city into your hands. It's, it's king and it's mighty men of valor, but it's not just going to open its gates that you may walk into the city and claim it. Rather, I'm going to give you this battle. You're going to find victory. I'm giving you the city into your hand by the shout of your people by the shout of the many, not you, the shout of everyone together shouting the name of Jesus, these walls are going to come down flat. And so what I'm trying to say this morning, church, is that often you can stand on the outside of the strongholds you face, and you can stare straight into, through the gates, the very middle of destructive habits, destructive addictions, destructive bondages, and you can shout the name of Jesus, but nothing seems to happen. You get confused and upset while you're not finding this victory. There's no breakthrough. You still got to endure week after week the strongholds. That is because sometimes there are walls in your life that will only come down. There are gates that God will only fling open in your world when you stand amongst the body of Christ and in one voice shout the name of Jesus. One voice declare the name of Jesus with others. That is when we find breakthrough comes. When your prayer and your worship and your intercession are amplified by the many, in unity and in agreement when we agree with one another, amen? You see, because sometimes it just takes that word, that word in season. Sometimes it just takes that bearing up alongside one another. Sometimes it takes the intercession of others for us, praying faithfully before something shifts in our world, amen? But I wanna tell you, that is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. His ability to move in amongst God-ordained connections to bring about breakthrough, to bring about miracles, amen? And so here again, God is teaching Joshua about the importance of many. Because if Joshua began winning his battles alone, if he was defeating army after army after army by the edge of his own sword, what you will find is slowly within his life begins to arise this pride, begins to arise this subtle contempt for the others. Why do I need them? Why do I need to lead them? What benefit are they to me if I can overcome all things by myself, if I can slay giants on my own, it's maybe this promise of God is for me and me alone. I've got what it takes to enter into the promises of God. I don't need anyone else. And so God is very particular about saying, Joshua, you will win your battles and you will win your victories through the cry of all your people, not just you. 
Amen? You see, why do I need them when I can do it all on my own? And so it stops becoming about the we and it starts becoming about the me. And that is a really dangerous attitude we have as Christians because if that is allowed to fully mature in our life, the outworking of that comes in a confession that it's no longer about the many, but it's about the one. And if it's only about the one that matters, then really Jesus doesn't matter. Because if you deny connection, if you refuse connection and relationship with others, what you're really doing is refusing Jesus because Jesus is found in connection. Jesus is found in relationship, amen? Matthew 25, 31 kind of ties it all in, so bear with me on this one. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory, all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate from them from one another as the shepherd divides sheep from goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That is a subtle message that we don't hear under the revolution of all that is self. Forget about the least, it's about me. But if it's only about me and not the least, then it's not really about Jesus. In reaching out to others, we reach out to Christ. When you touch the life of someone else, no matter how insignificant it may feel to you, how easy or substandard, you are touching Christ, amen? But if we forsake relationship, church, if we forsake connection because it's inconvenient or it's too hard or it puts me out of routine, we lose the ability to see the need in others. We lose the ability to hear what God is saying in our life to step out and meet need. Lozzie, I might get you up if I can. That'll be great. You know, any athlete, I was just thinking this through, any athlete will tell you this. In order for your body to operate at its peak, at its maximum, at its highest performance, you need every part of your body to be working together, amen, in unity, in one. Our bodies are not designed as creations for all its different members to want to do their own thing. It just doesn't work that way. But if an athlete gets onto the running track, and is nursing a recovery or is, is, is trying to recover from a sprained ankle, it doesn't matter how fit or healthy or trained or focused they are, they will only ever be able to operate to which the extent of their injury allows them, toward the extent of what they carry. It's just the way it is. You see, if, if I want to get onto the track and run 400 meters under world record time, and I might have trained for years and years and years for this one moment, and I get on that track, and everything within me wants my body to go forwards, but my knee decides it's going to go sideways, it's not going to take very long before I'm going to come under a whole lot of pain, yet before I'm going to find that I enter into a whole lot of dysfunction, amen? And why do I say that? I say that because there is purpose in unity. There is a power that is found 
when every member of the body of Christ works together, when there's godly cohesion, we create an atmosphere and an environment and a platform in which God can move. Sometimes all God is waiting for is for the body of Christ to say, you know what, it's not just about self, it's about the many. It's not just about what I need and I want and what I can do and what life owes me, but it's about looking for Jesus in the least of them. That is the mandate, church, that's been placed on us. And as a, as a church in the 21st century, we constantly are fighting against that culture of individualism. We're constantly fighting against the, the need to want to stand out and say, what is it that I deserve from life? It's my right to take it. Where Jesus is saying, no, it's your right as the body of church to lay it down. I want to say this morning, church, that we are better together. We are better together. And I want to finish on this, Ecclesiastes 4.9, such an amazing verse on togetherness. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Why don't we stand this morning, church? You know, so often we read about the heroes of our faith. The heroes of our faith come to light. The Moses, the Joshua, taking the promised land for God, getting their people into the land that was rightfully yours, but very little do we hear about those the Aaron and the herds that came alongside to make it possible. The army of Israel that shouted with one shout the walls of Jericho would come down. But I'm telling you, church, that is God is a relational God. He works in the context of relationship. So we as a church must do all that we can to build God-ordained relationships with one another. Sometimes that means going through a season where we've got to look beyond our dislikes beyond others' dysfunction, to say this is not just about me, this is about the body of Christ, and I would step out and reach out. I'm gonna to touch Christ. I'm gonna to touch others. You know, I've probably been walking with God for 18 years, and the times that I've seen people brought to their knees in conviction by the Holy Spirit was in the context of relationship, unconditional relationship accepting, including people into, into others that don't expect it, but get it, Jesus moves through that and he touches lives. So why don't we just, eyes closed this morning. Thank you, Father. You know, we all journey through seasons and we all go through things that maybe are really heavy to face and there's battles we fight but I want to encourage you this morning if you will stay connected in the house of God you can win those battles if you stay connected in relationship with those that love you those that are praying for you those that are looking out for you I'm telling you church you will win your battles you will have hands bear up under yours to keep them lifted to the heavens when you say you know what I just can't do it anymore Jesus, I'm tired. Jesus, I'm weary. I'm sick of looking 
at the same problem year after year after year after year. But I'm telling you, church, there are walls that will come down in your life if you will just lift up your voice with the many. If you will choose to stand in togetherness with the body of Christ as it was always designed to be, I'm telling you, wars will come down in your life and that which you have struggled with for so many years will be brought to its knees in the name of Jesus. There is power in unity. There is a blessing that rests on the many. And I just feel this morning God just pressing on my heart while not people may not know it but you know it you've been journeying a lonely road you've been out on a limb not having much support not much feeling that you're facing giants on your own feeling isolated and in that place of isolation outside of the sheepfold of Christ you're just taking onslaught after onslaught after onslaught the enemy's just made a beeline for your life for your family and you feel like you just have to do it alone you have to do it alone. I, people wouldn't understand my journey. People wouldn't want to see what I'm going through. What would people think of my life if they knew what I'm trying to juggle at the moment? But don't listen. That is a lie from the devil. Church, this morning, I'm telling you, you are designed to be brought back into the fold of Christ. Where there is many, there is victory. So if that's you this morning, I don't want to rush this. I just want to give opportunity for you to respond in your heart to say, Justin, you know what? No. I'm sick of being out on a limb. I'm sick of journeying on an own. I don't want to have to face this alone. But I want to be brought into the, the fold. I want to be brought back into the many. I want that connection. I want that relationship again. That I can find a place to just rest. To be encouraged. To receive wisdom. To be spurred on that I'm doing okay. If that's you this morning, I'll just... I'm not going to drag it out, but I want to just, I just feel like God's knocking on the heart of some people this morning, and, and enough is enough. No more doing it alone. No more having to hide something all to yourself, trying to deal with it all by yourself, almost like it's in the dark. This morning, God desires that walls would come down. You can trust Him. He loves you. That's you this morning. I'd love just to pray with you, support you. Why don't you just come down the front? I just want to pray with you and say, you know what? It's okay. We want to stand with you. Whatever it is you're facing, we want to stand with you this morning. If that's you, please don't ignore the knock of God on your heart. Come down the front. Let me just pray with you and encourage you, share with you in this time. Maybe you've never met Jesus or it's been such a long time since you felt you've really connected in. I want to give you opportunity this morning to say, you know what, Justin? I just want to come and recommit my life recommit the journey I'm going through recommit all that I'm carrying and put it at the foot of the cross and say God I love you I want to be part of this family I want to be part of this connection if that's you this morning as well I'd love just to pray with you and encourage you this morning thank you Father thank you Father Father this morning God, I thank you that we stand united in one voice. That we shout the name of Jesus it's here in C3 Noosa. God, I thank you that together we will see walls come down in our community, in our families, in relationships. God, I thank you that as we come together in community, 
supporting one another. Father, chains will be broken. Addictions will be broken. Habits will be bound in Jesus' name. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here this morning as we go out from this place. God, that your spirit would be upon them. Father, I thank you there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. Father, bless these families. Bless their going out and their coming in this week. Father, we thank you that you love each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org. 